You're listening to Youth and Loud. The show that's the show that's quiet about the trivial things, but loud about the important things. We discuss all issues relevant to youth. If you'd like to find out more about the show or have a topic idea, check us out on Facebook and give us a shout by searching Youth and Loud. On this episode, we talk to Marley from Titters for Titters, which is an initiative that aims to inspire young Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women through sharing their stories and encouraging them to reach their full potential. We talk with Marley about what inspired the beginnings of Titters for Titters, the kind of impact she hopes to have on the community, and also about her own experience growing up as an Aboriginal woman in the Southern Shire near Cronulla Beach in New South Wales. Um, all right, so we'll start off. Um, just to begin with, Marley, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what your life looks like at the moment? Yeah, so I'm Marley Silva. I am a 24-year-old Gamilaroi and Dungari woman. So my people um, come from Maury and Kempsey in New South Wales. Um, uh, and but I was born and raised on Darrell country in the Sutherland Shire, uh, so near Cronulla Beach, which is where I'm coming to you from right now. Um, this is where I was born and raised. Um, grew up here with my mom and dad and my sister Keely. Um, and at the back end of 2018, you know, my sister and I have grown up really proud Aboriginal women and um, been raised to wear our culture on our sleeve and um, kind of share about it whenever we get the chance. And um, after some consideration and being inspired by the NAIDOC theme of 2018, uh, um, so NAIDOC, for people who don't know, is the premier um, kind of celebration for Indigenous people in Australia that happens annually. There's always a theme attached to it. And... um, the theme of 2018 was because of her we can and that saw our females um, our aunties our grandmothers all the uh, women who have led the way for us throughout history get the spotlight for the entirety of that year and it was the first time we'd seen something like that Uh, my sister and I as we got towards the end of that year really didn't want to lose the momentum um, and the beauty of these female stories. So we decided to start an Instagram page um, that was dedicated to sharing those stories beyond 2018. Um, it's, and that Instagram page is called Titters for Titters. So Titter is an Aboriginal slang word, which means sister. So it essentially translates into the sister. Women and girls supporting each other, about celebrating them, and also about inviting, you know, both Indigenous men, and non-Indigenous people across the board to come and be part of the conversation as well. And since starting as a humble Instagram page with not too many ambitions other than to be a bit of a side project, um, uh, it grew really quickly. We've now got over 30,000 followers across all of our socials, a podcast of the same name where I have conversations with amazing Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women and... uh, my debut novel, which is also um, inspired by the movement and involves a lot of conversations with different Aboriginal women, will be released later this year. So it's um, been a wild ride and it's a few things are kind of on pause now in this corona period that we're in. But, um, yeah, we're very, very lucky 
and you know humbled to have had the success and um yeah exponential growth that we have in the last little while so um, what kind of feedback have you received about the initiatives it's been amazing we get really uh positive feedback i think that's sort of exemplified in the um the growth of the the kind of we call it a movement i suppose and um it's it's been nice because we get a lot of messages particularly from younger um indigenous girls who are really thankful to see so many role models spotlighted on our page every single day um a lot of them tell us they're really inspired by what they see and they feel really good about being indigenous and um being proud of their culture and then on the other side of it we also get um, messages from non-Indigenous people who are thankful that they're getting to interact with culture and with our people for the first time. I think one of the beautiful things is that, um, you know, social media can be a scary place. It can be a really um, dangerous place in a lot of ways, but we've tried to remain an incredibly positive page and um, a safe space for people who have in the past been scared or unsure of how they approach Aboriginal culture and um, learning more about the history and things like that. Uh, you know, we're, we're a softer kind of entry point to that and people can come and not feel all scared to ask stupid questions or, um, you know, that some people feel ashamed that they don't know particular things. So it's really nice to get that feedback too. People are, are very thankful um, to have us as a resource and um, that's been some of the really promising feedback particularly from the non-Indigenous community because I always talk about the fact that you know Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people only make up three percent of the population and, and in order for us to build a bigger and better Australia for all um, we need that other 97 percent on our side and this seems to be a place that is allowing a lot more of that 97 percent to come and be part of it. So in your opinion, what has been um, the best thing, and I suppose also the most challenging thing about starting this movement, as you call it? Um, uh, it's, it, it's funny because there, there weren't really challenges in starting it because we didn't have any expectations. It was just something that was going to be, oh, I mean, it was just for fun, really. Um, so we were having fun kind of collecting the stories that we wanted to tell, reaching out to women, wanting to um, share a bit about what they do and kind of be their cheerleaders in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, so that was that was really awesome. And I think the, the best bit about it is that, you know, we didn't have any expectation and then all of a sudden, you know, this is a really big thing and now it's my, my full-time job. I like, was working full-time last year and... Um, wrapped that up so I could really turn Titus for Titus into an operating business and um, make it the best it can be. And, uh, yeah, so the challenges more came later in the piece when we had this big spurt of growth and um, a lot of people interested in doing things with us and then it was kind of reflecting on what do we actually want to be? Um, are we just an Instagram page? Are we an Instagram page and a podcast are we an instagram page or podcast and some face-to-face -face stuff and that la the latter there is kind of what we've decided and um if it wasn't for covid uh i actually would be 
heading back from Newcastle, um, New South Wales right now. Um, I was I had my first ever to this to this school workshop booked in for a school up there. Um, that was supposed to happen yesterday, but obviously that's being pushed back until we're back to normal. But you know that's that, that's the next big step for us is to um, do some you know one on one mentoring experiences and um, provide face to face opportunities for young Aboriginal women in schools and things like that. So yeah, that the challenge was figuring out you know who we wanted to be and what we were best placed to do and um, I guess kind of maintaining the momentum and using the opportunity that we have and also just I mean you know if you do anything that's related to a particular culture or a minority group you come up against um you know sort of the things that are unfortunately a little bit expected but um you know and a fair dose of, of racist comments and um, not very nice DMs and things like that, but also a lot of lateral violence within the, in the Aboriginal community. So lateral violence, for those who don't know, is when people within the same group um, express, uh, I guess, a form of jealousy and um, kind of like tall poppy syndrome against people who stand out above the crowd and, and do things a little bit out of the ordinary. Um, and it kind of comes from a place of trauma and lack of healing in certain places. So that's been a hard thing for us to overcome too, is that, you know, there's negative voices that come from a lot of different places and um, figuring out, you know, how we deal with that and how we protect ourselves, protect our personal lives. And, um, you know, because when you've got 30,000 people who see what you write every single day, all of a sudden there's a lot of people who know who you are and, you know, um, I've had people recognise me, which is really weird. <laughs> and, um, you know, I was lucky enough to be on an episode of Q&A on the ABC um, a couple of months ago now, and that's really scary to have your face on TV. And, um, you know, being in a lot of media spaces is a, is a whole other thing, a whole crazy thing that when you explore it, it's, um, it can be scary, it can feel quite vulnerable and, and things like that. So those have been the newer challenges um, facing us at the moment. But, you know, we're getting through there. And the way to get through that and kind of I'm finding more and more as I get older and as I experience new things, one of the best ways to get through any sort of challenge is um, to make sure that the people you surround yourself with um, really back you and support you and can be uh, your safety net in a lot of ways, um, regardless of whatever it is, they they tend to be the ones who, you know, help me bounce back. They're a big part of my resilience and I, I think my sister would probably agree with me there. That's how we get through any of the speed bumps, um, but none of them have been too, too scary or, or enough to turn us all away. You're listening to Youth and Loud. Um, so, Molly, how do you hope that Titters for Titters will influence or impact people in the community? I hope that um, our impact is two-pronged. Um, the first being for our Indigenous sisters um, across the country, whoever comes into contact with us. I hope they look at our page and um, feel happy, um, feel pride, feel like they have the potential to do whatever they want to do um, because they can see women who are doing it just like them. And I hope that they really have a new sense of worth. Uh, I think that unfortunately for a lot of women, regardless of what their background is, um, we, we 
struggle with self-doubt and um, sometimes, particularly as adolescents, um, we, we can really struggle with that sort of stuff. So it would be great if the impact was to see more and more girls and women just know that they, they've got the power to do basically anything. And then on the other side, the other prong of that is for non-Indigenous Australia um, to, you know, be impacted by the stories that we tell. And, you know, there's a there's a really amazing growing um, presence of Aboriginal voices on social media in particular. And I hope that it helps non-Indigenous Australia be interested in the things that are happening in our communities and not just the negative issues as much as they need to be focused on and kind of um, have action driven towards them, but also the really positive ones and help a lot of other Australians realise how amazing our culture is, how amazing our people are and how we're something for them to be proud about too. We know that the initiative is focused on sharing different stories. I'm just wondering if you could share a little bit about your own story and your experience growing up as an Aboriginal woman. Yeah, so um, growing up, you know, um, my household was a place where being Aboriginal was the best thing that you could be. Um, my my mum's white, but and my dad's um, Aboriginal, but my mum's just as proud to have Aboriginal children and an Aboriginal husband um, as the rest of our family is. And um, it was a, a fantastic household to be raised in, in, in that sense, in terms of our cultural identity and a whole bunch of other other things but unfortunately um inside the house can't protect you from the outside environment um or only to a certain extent and where you know i said i, I grew up in the southern shire in cronulla um an area that is unfortunately famous for race riots um and you know that's pretty reflective of the sort of attitude i, I grew up in uh in a school environment in particular it's a very high white Anglo-Saxon population. Um, it was really rare for me growing up to see anyone who was some sort of brown or non-white, um, let alone a lot of Aboriginal people. Um, for myself and my sister, um, in primary school, it wasn't wasn't ever a problem. Um, I think that little kids are really excited by those sorts of things. And, um, you know, all my friends in primary school were really excited that I was Aboriginal and I'm um, excited to learn more about my culture. And, you know, I remember quite distinctly doing, going to an excursion at the National Park, the Royal National Park, which is quite close to us, when I was in primary school. Um, and we had an Aboriginal bushranger take us on the, the tour and typical <laughs> typical Blackfella style uh, for us, the, the ranger um, ended up being related to my pop. So, um, you know, he was like, I'm your uncle. And, and you know, the way that... Um, Aboriginal kind of family ties work is, you know, uh, different to Western ways. So when he says he's my uncle, he's actually really probably a cousin or something like that. But because he told her he's an uncle and that sort of stuff. And I just remember, you know, on the bus ride back to school after that, um, I was like, you know, the celebrity of the day because I was related to the bush trader and things like that. And everyone was excited, you know, about that sort of stuff. And that was a really positive, beautiful thing in primary school. And I had really great teachers at that primary school as well. But once we got to high school, things really changed. Um, I remember being mixed, for, for lack of a better word, and having light, light coloured skin as I do. Um, you know, people don't really question what I look like so much. Um, and because my dad picked me up from school one day, 
and um, it was raining that day and he was being a lovely dad and um, got out of his car uh, to greet me at the school gate with an umbrella. And um, I was incredibly embarrassed because he was in his pyjamas at the time and that was because he's um, a police officer and a shift worker so he'd woken up from a nap to pick me up from school and he just has no shame so he got out in his pyjamas. And um, the next day at school a kid said to me, who was that that picked you up at school um, yesterday? Picked you up from school yesterday. And, uh, you know, these are just some of the things that you never ever forget, right? It's a really defining moment because I said, oh, it's my dad. And she said, is that is that your real dad or your stepdad? And I said, oh, he's my real dad. And she said, well, why is your dad black? And um, never in my life had I heard someone be called a colour like that. And all of a sudden I realised that that made him different and that made me different. And, you know, why was he black and why I wasn't the same colour as him and all this kind of stuff. And then on top of it, when I explained to her that we're Aboriginal and that's why he's got dark skin, um, she said to me, I've never met an Aboriginal person before. And you know, this sort of started this domino effect. It was like it spread around the school and then, you know, teachers knew, not that I would ever hidden my identity, but um, it was like a bit of a buzz moment and uh, I was now, you know, being um, asked to kind of be the spokesperson for Aboriginal Australia for a lot of people. Um, and it also meant that I copped a, a pretty sizable chunk of racism. I had one kid um, who spent an entire year um, tormenting me with really incredibly racist jokes just to get a reaction off me and I had teachers make racist jokes um, and you know a principal who didn't, didn't do anything about it and I had that sort of stuff for a long time and my sister experienced the same thing she's darker than me so I think in a lot of ways she got it a lot worse than us and you know that's not to say that um, our high school was the worst thing in the world but it definitely didn't know how to deal with it and um, it, it left me as a really angry teenager um, who kind of thought everyone was against her and um, I came out of high school just absolutely, you know, I, I started school loving it and, and being such a passionate student and, you know, getting towards the end of year 12 and wanting to get out of there so bad that, you know, for the first time I was getting in trouble at school for talking back to teachers and that sort of stuff because I just was so angry at the way that I'd been treated and, you know, being isolated and kind of set as an outcast so much and um, it, it was really a tough thing to go through especially in such formative years and um, um, yeah it's it, you know it, it's hard because in terms of natural beauty where I grew up is um, stunning and I, and I think you couldn't find a, a more beautiful um, part of the world you know have the best beaches in the world like I said we're really close to the national park the, the natural environment of the Southern Shire is stunning, but socially it sucks. It sucks to be different um, in a lot of ways. And, yeah, it's, it's definitely diversified a little bit, and I think it's just getting better and better, but um, it, it definitely shaped who I am and also instilled in me um, and sort of a fire to be a voice in a lot of ways and kind of really led to me to be who I am today. You're listening to Youth and Loud. Um, so, Marley, would you say that um, your own experience is one of the main things that inspired you to start Titters for Titters, I guess, to be a support for other young Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander women growing up who might need 
a bit of extra support or input from their own community? Um, yeah, 100%. Um, definitely um, felt very driven to be um, someone that those girls who went through stuff we went through or similar things in their communities to look at and know that they're not alone because both my sister and I really struggled with that. We really mm-hmm. felt like we were on our own even though the, both of us were going through it at the same time. It was just kind of crazy in hindsight, but, you know, it's easy to feel like that. I think for any teenager that feels different for whatever reason and um, we just wanted to be something that, you know, those those girls could look up to and um, feel supported by and um it's been really beautiful because i guess i've got to see the real life impact um of it and and seeing that we're really making a difference um earlier this year i was at um the nrl indigenous all-stars match uh up on the gold coast my uh, keely my sister uh plays touch football she's pretty good at it and was playing the, the sort of curtain raiser touch football game um for the nrl footy event and we were sitting in the stadium and I got a tap on the shoulder and um, three three young girls uh, were standing there looking down at me um, and they asked me if I was Marley from Titters for Titters and I nearly fell off my seat <laughs> um, and I said oh yeah that's that's me and um, they they told me that they loved the page so much and they were really mm. big fans of the podcast and it just made them feel really good about being um, Aboriginal and then they asked me for really? a photo which I was very embarrassed about um <laughs> but I, I got one with them and uh as they walked away I just burst out into tears um mm. because and I was sitting next to um one of my best mates and she kind of looked at me like you were right and I was like yeah it's just that's exactly why we started like that's mm. that's it and to just sort of have that affirmed and um to just see how excited those girls were and then you know I, I got home a couple of days later and the same girls had sent us dms on on instagram um talking about how it was so great and thank you so much for getting a photo with us and all this kind of stuff and i was like oh my gosh like <laughs> stop i can't handle it but i'm really really you know grateful for you for coming up to me because you know that means that means a lot so that sort of thing you know you, you can't ever plan for that you, i just was really blown away by it because you know, like I said, this was never part of the plan. Like, it was just going to be fun, the side hobby sort of thing. And now it's, you know, it means so much to me. And um, it's such a big part of my identity now, this Titus for Titus community. And, um, you know, I've made, you know, friends of this community, like Instagram friends that have become real life friends and things like that. And it's beautiful. And I'm really, really glad that um, there's, you know, young girls who remind me of me who are um, getting that opportunity as well. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's really good to see, um, I guess, the impact that Titters for Titters has had um, on people when you had that encounter with the three young girls. It's, um, yeah, just really good to see the kind of influence that's happening. So, um, yeah, that's that's really cool. Where would you like uh, the initiative to be in five years' time, do you think? Oh, that's hard. Um, because it's changed so much just in the last, you know, six months even, even and, and things like that. And, um, I kind of don't see it being particularly relevant in five years' time, if I'm honest. Um, and I don't mean that negatively. I think that, you know, I hope that some of the girls that have been inspired by us 
come up with something better um, and overtake us and we get booted out as the old gals, that's fine with me. Um, but, you know, between that here and and then, um, I'd really like to keep, keep making the podcast. Um, that's a really beautiful thing and I'm really glad that, you know, I've been able to capture a lot of those stories and I want to keep doing that. Um, keep, keep doing what we're doing on the social fronts in terms of telling those stories and championing them. I think um, there's a real opportunity in, in the school programs once we kick them off and once we can actually go back into schools. Um, I'd really like to, to build some good rapport with some teachers in those schools and, and be um, a bit of a support system for them to lean on with their students when they're worried about um, Indigenous students and things like that. And um, you know, there's a few other things that I want to explore. Um, you know, I'd love to provide opportunities to leverage some sort of support we can offer to other people in a financial sense. Um, you know, we support a lot of Indigenous women who want to start businesses or, um, you know, have already started them and looking to upskill them and, and that sort of stuff. And I'd love to kind of be able to have a Titus for Titus grant or scholarship or something um, mm. that we could offer on an annual basis to someone who either wants to grow their business or maybe a student who wants to do something. I don't know. That's that's just a little um, kind of down the track sort of thing. And I'm always thinking of new iterations, new ways we can evolve and be um, dynamic. And we might we might have to change depending on the way that the world changes changes particularly you know considering the pandemic we're currently in and i think we're not going to come out of this the same and um yeah i don't i don't know i'm pretty used to having to be flexible and um fast on your feet and kind of coming up with new things all the time so we'll figure it out um you know i'm never going to stop working for my people that's what i've always done it's what i'll always do um and, you know, two days is a beautiful thing. And eventually somewhere I'd like to pass it on to someone else because um, it's not about me, it's not about Keely, it's about all of us. So we'll see what happens. Mm. Is there any particular reason, if I may ask, why you don't feel that um, the current initiative that you have may be relevant within five years? Is it to do with, like, our changing culture or technology or...? I think we are so, yeah, exactly. Our, our technology, in terms of our relationship to the social media platforms and, you know, what the ne next new thing is, like, it changes so quickly um, and we kind of can't be reliant on one platform, you know. I don't want to be reliant on Instagram um, because, you know, there's people who were relying on MySpace once and that doesn't exist and, you know, things like that. We have to be fast-moving and I don't know, I'm just realistic because... Five years ago, I didn't think something like Tudis for Tudis could exist, and it does. And then, you know, there might be something even, you know, we could do something in the VR space in five years. I don't know. Like, I just need to – I can't think um, too linear because I think that reduces our capabilities. And uh, that's not to say I want it to not exist in five years. It's my baby right now, and I love it, and I think it's incredible, but I'm also – uh, realistic in you know knowing that that things come in and out of fashion and maybe we're just a bit trendy for now and <laughs> I know it sounds so pessimistic but I promise I'm just trying to be realistic <laughs> um so Marley if people want to find out more about titters for titters uh where can they go to find out more 
Um, so, yeah, first place to go, of course, is our Instagram. Um, people get confused with how you spell titters. It's T-I-D-D-A-S. Um, and then we use the number four because we're cool and down with the kids with titters for titters. Um, but that's our handle on all all the old socials, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um yeah, and then the podcast is the same name, same spelling that you can find on any podcast app. Um, and then, you know, my, my sister and I both have our personal Instagrams um, in our Twitter's bio and we kind of have our own little um, kind of personal projects that we run off them that you can stay up to date with as well. And, uh, yeah, we we're, our DMs are always open. Um, always happy to chat to new people, answer questions. Um, you know, we're always open to collaborating and exploring new avenues and, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that's how you can find us. That brings us to an end of this episode of Youth and Loud. Thanks heaps to Marley for coming on the podcast to talk about Titters for Titters. And thanks to Nathan for helping with this episode. If you'd like to find out more about Youth and Loud, you can check us out on Facebook or Twitter. And to listen to more episodes, you can visit our website at youthandloud.org.